Welcome back to the Kenny Chester Podcast. Going to be discussing politics today. For those of you that come in for the politics, you're going to be happy today and all that nerdy book stuff. Uh, we'll pick back up on later in the episode, but today we're going to be discussing the subject of whataboutism or whataboutery is some uh, have described it, uh, the ramifications of this uh, logical fallacy and what is and what isn't whataboutism and how it can be applied into current events. I hope that you stick around for this episode. I think we're going to have a good time. Let's go to work. I don't know. It seems to me that he shouldn't be saying that. Well, what is it that you want him to say? Shut him down. All right, Chester, what about whataboutism? What about whataboutery? And you've probably heard this word uh, in the last few months, maybe years, if you've been paying attention to the political discourse in the United States of America. You see it on Twitter. You see it on uh, the comment sections in a Facebook post, maybe. Um, and it's this accusation that's meant to um, silence or defeat an argument that seemingly is progressing in one direction. So let's just explain what whataboutism is. Whataboutism is the fallacy of relative privation or the logical fallacy of, of you also. It's basically in its correct setting, whataboutism, when I say correct, I mean correct when you're correctly uh, defining the word. It's when someone deflects from an accusation of bad behavior by pointing toward someone else's bad behavior or a worst case scenario. And let me let me clarify that just a little bit. Say if someone says, how did you, you know, what do you think about this uh, meal tonight, hus husband? It was, you know, you know, I, I know I might have uh, got the turkey a little dry, but, you know, what is your, and you see, obviously, if you're a smart man, you say, oh, it's delicious, the best turkey I ever had. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, maybe you've got a relationship with your wife where you can say, you know what, it got a little salty or got whatever. You could say, I enjoyed this, but that you were, you know, the turkey was dry, but man, it was edible. <laughs> and, uh, well, there's people in this world that has never eat turkey and they're starving. And see, that's, that's a fallacy of relative privation. It's when you immediately, you don't deal with the subject at hand. Maybe that's a bad example because maybe you shouldn't be talking about your wife's, uh, uh dry turkey, <laughs> but this, you get, you get the point. The point is that you can always point to a worse issue or worse problem. And so that's the fallacy of relative privation. And so when somebody accuses someone of whataboutism, they're, they're, sometimes they, they are, they, they've got the wrong idea about whataboutism, whataboutism is. Listen, when, when, when there is a clear double standard in the political arena of the United States of America, and that's the one that, that I follow politics on. Obviously, I'm a citizen of this country. If, if there's a clear double standard and there's principles that are being applied unevenly, it is not whataboutism to point out the inconsistent application of a rule. That's not whataboutism. When you compare truly similar things, and we're going to get into this today's episode, we aren't. you're not deflecting when you point out the hypocrisy of a group that demands you to believe all women when it hurts Republicans, but not to believe all women when it hurts Democrats. That's not whataboutery. That's not a logical fallacy. It's saying, hey, this is being unevenly applied. 
Now, when you level the accusation of whataboutism, say, well, you're just engaging in whataboutism or whataboutery. And you're saying, if you had a problem with it then, you should have said something then. The point is, you did say something then. I don't know if you guys remember Believe All Women in the, the confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh, when the when there was an unfair accusation, when I say unfair, I'm not, I'm not saying that she shouldn't have a right to testify. But when we say rising to the level that you could prosecute someone for the, the crimes that they were uh, leveling against this this Supreme Court justice or now Supreme Court justice, he was uh, being he was a nominee at that point. You know, you should have to, you should be able to cooperate. You should be able to produce some type of evidence and it should be a credible accusation. And if you watch it, you know, you maybe you decided it was credible. I decided that it wasn't uh, for several reasons. And so but if you have a rule that's hashtag believe all women and you want to imply that or they'll apply that rule when it would hurt a conservative judge, then you must also keep the courage of that conviction and say when Tara Reid comes out and alleges rape against Joe Biden, who is the Democrat presidential nominee at the time, or actually I think she alleged that when he was uh, in the primary. And it's something she has more corroboration. She uh, it happened more recently. She told people when it happened. Her mother, you got her own tape calling into CNN describing the situation about this powerful senator. And so you've got what the evidence that's missing in the other case, but you've got people that just dismiss it. And so when you say this is a principle that's being unevenly applied and it seems to be going down party lines, it's not whataboutism to point out the double standard. If someone doesn't consistently apply the principles that they judge others by, it's not a logical fallacy to point out the clear double standard. If 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 one side is applying a rule unevenly, and it's using it to pressure its ideological enemies, then it's not whataboutism to point that out. I'm I'm sorry. And so today we're going to engage in what some will call whataboutism, but we're just pointing out the clear double standard. We're not comparing apples to apples. And each one of these examples I'm going to give today, I'm going to as, as close. I mean, literally the first one is the literal same thing. And we're going to just contrast some of the um, coverage on these events, and we'll kind of just see, maybe you can see some parallels, maybe you can see some inconsistencies. Um, full disclosure, I I am a huge fan of the musical uh, Hamilton um, for a myriad of reasons that I can't get into on this uh, podcast. I'm not a fan of musicals in general, but there have been a few in the last years that kind of got me rethinking my you know my old positions against all musicals are bad, and I really um you if you've listened to any of these podcasts, you know that I'm a big fan of history. Um, before I seen the musical, I read the book um, by um, Cherno that this play was based on. Became absolutely consumed in this book. It was wonderfully told, wonderfully written. Uh, his life story was just unbelievable. Got a few messages out of it, um, just on 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 just accounting his uh, life story. And so I'm going to be using a song today. Uh, I'm going to try to play it in a way that I won't get um, my podcast taken down from copyright infringement. Uh, so I'm going to be playing it today. And the idea is in this in the play that. A person is allowed to engage in uh, in political victories or in the political battles that Hamilton was fighting against Jefferson and Madison 
that he would always seemingly to win because he had the power on his side, and that power was the President George Washington. And so there's a great song that goes a little something like this, and occasionally I might be playing it today if you understand what I'm getting at here. It's just very nice. It must be nice. Very nice. It must be nice. To have power on your side. To have Washington on your side. It must be nice. Gotta be nice to have the media on your side. To have Washington on your side. And so we're going to be talking today about the different political coverage, the different um, political ramifications of holding certain views and how those can be unevenly applied uh, depending on which side of the aisle that you um, currently reside in. Let's get to the first uh, one that's actually been in the news this week. Um, many of you knew for the last four years that Trump was painted at a, as a, a xenophobic, racist, um, nationalist, white supremacist, and a lot of these accusations stem from his immigration policy, which just required that people come into this country legally. Now, this is not a controversial position as of I don't know, 2000. I mean, I remember growing up, you know, in the country and and most people on both sides would agree that you needed to have some type of border security, that you're not a country without borders. And this is a biblical concept when it comes to the walled city of Jerusalem. And when I say biblical concept, I mean like when you want uh, to preserve the integrity of a city or country, you would put a wall around it, walled cities and I'm not saying yay or nay to the Trump's wall. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying just a good uh, buffer zone, a protection that we know who's in the country. We know who's not in the country, especially now with the pandemic. But even before then, when we had the constant threat of enemy attack or terrorist attack. And so those threats didn't diminish because Trump got in the office, uh, or Biden for that matter. And so what we're experiencing now is that Biden has, I wouldn't even say created, I think there was already a border crisis, but he is um, fed a border crisis simply because of his seemingly open uh, immigration policies that he wants to espouse. And so it's hard to call Trump a xenophobic, racist, white nationalist when you also do not want to open the gates, so to speak. And so the first week in office, Biden was telling there's a large migrant um, caravan that was coming up through South America, and he was saying, hey, now's not a good time. <laughs> and the thing is about Biden and Trump is like what we're going to hear for, for the next four years is not that Biden is some politically savvy, uh, smooth, awesome politician. Listen, there's been some awesome politicians. Barack Obama Whatever you think about his policy, he was a good politician. Bill Clinton was the same. Whatever you think about his politics, we're not talking about, you know, if he was a good president. We're just saying as a politician, they're just smooth. Biden is not that. Biden is a man that's prone to saying the wrong thing. He's had some gaffes. He does weird things like sniffing women's hair and massaging their shoulders when they don't want it. And then, you know, inappropriately, seemingly touching these uh, small children of these family members or these congressmen he takes pictures of. There's, I mean, it's just... He's just not a smooth politician. But what we're going to see over the next four years is he'll do something and it'll be like, well, at least it wasn't as bad as as that that you know that big bigot we had the last four years. And so when it comes down to the the crisis at the border, I want you it, maybe you didn't notice the the coverage uh, 
the the divide in the language that was being used. But if you remember, I know it's been a long time, all the way back to 2020, when anytime there was mention of a border facility in the Trump administration, it was always hashtag kids in cages. And then you would see these pictures of of these um, unaccompanied children that were brought across the, the, the border that had to be detained and where they could find parents. And there's endless amount of articles. And I remember there was Congress uh, men and Congress women that were going down to these facilities and taking pictures and literally calling them the concentration camps um, of America, that we're engaged in these concent- concentration camps. Um, quick side note on yesterday's episode, when I, when I talk about concentration camps in, uh, in, uh, the Nazis that the Nazis used to hold um, the Jewish people and, uh, and other you know gypsies and other people in their society. I always want to say consecration because of as as a minister I, I teach and, and preach on the subject a lot. And so when I when I'm not paying attention, I run into that word. I always say that. And I think I did that a couple of times yesterday. But anyway, back to the subject at hand. These concentration camps. These are the American. This is when when it's when it's Trump. It's these concentration camps. Now I don't know if you saw the. Um, this week that the Biden administration were going to have to open these, and I don't know if you noticed the headlines, but these overflow facilities. And, you know, it's not consecration camps. It's it must be these nice. detention facilities. It must be nice. You know, it must be nice. It must be so nice, must be nice to have a media apparatus nice. that will describe you your Washington your facilities in this way when the other guy was just a you know a xenophobic racist. And what's what's hilarious was that when they started drawing attention to these pictures of these cages, they were being tweeted out by these Democratic thinkers and politicians there was a mayor in Los Angeles said this is not who we are as a country and there was a there was a man named John uh, I can always get his name wrong Favreau or something like that not the uh, not the director and actor of the Avengers series but um, this he, he was actually an Obama speechwriter and he said this is happening right now in the country and it turned out this photo that went viral was actually taken in 2014 and President Trump wasn't even president at the time this picture was taken of these kids in these facilities and who who was the president then I uh you know, I can't remember. It was who was it was. Oh, that's right. It must be nice. It was it, it was President nice. Obama and Vice President Joe Biden. And there was this picture that was circulating it of them nice. holding children nice in cages. But I can't remember any of the outcry that existed when they thought it was to belong to Trump. And so the the the, the, the point is simple. It's not a whataboutism to say this is this principle that you seemingly hold so dearly to is being unevenly applied. It's not, it's not saying we should be able to do it because y'all should be able to do it. It's, hey, if this was the same policy that you guys had no problem with, then it's obviously just a political weapon that you have. And so this is in a statement that was released by the Office of uh, Refugee Resettlement. Uh, the department announced plans to reopen the temporary influx care facility. Um, um, 
in Carrazzo Springs, Texas, within the next few weeks. This is, listen to the language. Initially, the Carrizo or Carrazzo Springs ICF will accommodate approximately 700 children in hard-sided structures. Oh, man. Hard-sided structures. Additionally, semi-permanent soft-sided capacities may be added if necessary. Look, I'm, I, this is not a joking matter. It's, 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 the, the thing is, the situation isn't funny. Nice. The coverage. Nice. Are you kidding me? Hard-sided structures, nice. soft-sided structures. Nice. What are different? What are other names for those Washington things? Uh, how about cages? How about tents? And this is what they plan on doing. And so, it's 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 insane that 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 one side is all in on kids in cages, consecration or concentration camps. And and Biden, no, it's just you know, it's just an overflow facility, uh, hard sided structures, soft sided structures. It's a de- de- detain un un uh, accompanied children, and and it's just amazing when you see it, you can't unsee it. Moving on to number two today, we're going to talk about crazy people in the House of Representatives. Uh, representatives. Um, many of you, if you're following the news, you probably read some articles about what the media will do after uh, Trump is departed from office. You know, what, how, where will they get their kicks? Um, where will they uh, focus their ire? And uh, the the early um, candidate to taking over for Trump's ire, directed by or the the ire directed by the media, is a little known uh, first year representative from Georgia. Her name is. Uh, how do you say her name? Marjorie Green is her name. And listen, I think the lady's, you know, crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be, I'm not saying like women are crazy. This specific person, there's crazy men, there's crazy women. She has engaged in conspiratorial, uh, conspiratorial um accusations uh, stemming from the QAnon group. She... Um, I don't think she said everything that they said that she says, but she's obviously... A little bit, you know, she flirts with these ideas. I don't think she's a great representative representative of America. But here's the issue. She does not represent America in so much as she represents the district that voted on her. And so right now she is she said some dumb things. And there is a, a, a just an outcry that she needs to be removed from her committees, that she needs to be uh censured, not censored, but censured uh in the house. And so this is look. I'm I am for uh, marginalizing people with crazy views. Here's the thing: I'm not for overturning elections. And if that district in Georgia elected her to represent, this is what we get in a representative democracy. We get to pick our representatives. And if this, if she represents that district, and I'm sure there's people in that district is not a fan of her, but the fact is the majority apparently were a fan of her. They elected her. And so I don't think she needs to be thrown out of the house or have her responsibilities revoked. You know, she said some stupid things. I think she's, she's, Politically, she's probably out there. And so I, I personally don't agree with her, but she's not representing my district. And so I think there's a danger when you and you um, Republicans and Democrats need to come to grips with the danger in overturning the will of the people that was had elected her. If 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 it's awful, if it's really, really bad for Trump to do what he did, and I think it was. I think it was bad for him to try to overturn an election without proof, without 
evidence. And that's exactly what happened. I can, I'm going to do a whole show on that at one point. Um, you got, I, I told everybody from the beginning, I'm okay with Trump challenging and in courts, but he's got to prove it in court. If he can't prove it in court, he's got to get out. You know, if you, we can't have a system to where you can just make an accusation and, and it's, and that's, that's the standard. You wouldn't want that accusation against your child. If, if someone accused your child at school of doing something heinous and they couldn't provide any proof, you would want there to be some proof behind it. You would wouldn't want your spouse to be accused of embezzling company funds or your uncle to be accused of some type of uh, immoral act that, that would ruin his life if, if found to be true without any evidence. And so I'm fine with Trump, you know, winning the presidency through either the election or through a, a court, uh, a judicial process in which bears out the facts. Well, the fact is, that they 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 didn't have that, and so they could not overturn the election. Mike Pence, in my opinion, did the right thing. He certified the election results because there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Now, I'm, I'm not trying. This ain't about Trump. This is about um, overturning the elections of the people. And so, you cannot be for uh, against Trump doing that, but also be for throwing this person out of Congress when she was legally elected to the office that she holds. She represents her district, and she should be allowed to represent her district. I think this is one thing the Republicans do poorly, is that they feel like they can do enough for the Democrats to leave them alone when it comes to dealing with their 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 crazies in their house. Listen, the Republicans have crazy people in politics, but the fact is it's not a one-sided crazy issue. And I'm not saying that it's okay for her to be crazy because somebody else is crazy. What I am pointing out is the clear double standard when it becomes uh, when it comes to democratic crazy conspiracy theorists. Um, and, and, and some people that have made, okay, so they say, um, Marjorie, uh, has some views that, that, um, I, she didn't say, this is, this is going to be say hilarious to say this out loud, but the, well, the thing that they're accusing her right now is Jewish space lasers that are starting California wildfires. Obviously she didn't say that. She said she's never heard of that. She, what she did was she said that she believes that the Rothschilds, um, have some influence. And, uh, you know, this is one of those run-of-the-mill conspiracies that is anti-Semitic in the fact that it has a powerful Jewish family name attached to it. So I look at it and say, well, that's crazy. So is there any anti-Semitism on the left? And you don't have to look very hard. There is a darling of the last congressional class that came through a few years ago. She was on the squad. Her name is Ilhan Omar. And these are some of the things that she has said. This isn't things that that, that she was accused of saying. These are literal things that she said that's on record. She accused American Jewry of possessing dual loyalty. This is not a mis. Uh, Conscrewing of her statements. She alleged that Jews buy their influence with money, infamously, uh, infamously stating that it's all about it must be the Benjamins. Nice. It must be nice. She accused Israel of they having hypnotized the world. Must be nice. She supports the anti-Semitic boycott, nice. divestment, and sanctions campaign against the Washington country of Israel. On your side. So what is the what is what is the difference of a of an anti-Semite in the House of Representatives? who openly endorses anti-Semitic views. She compared the boycotting of Israel 
to the boycotting of the Nazis, which is so insane that the Nazis targeted the Jewish people. And the one Jewish country that exists in the world, you're going to say, if we boycott them, that'd be just like boycotting the Nazis. I'm telling you folks, like, so, so when it's not whataboutism to say, well, what about the crazy folks in the House of Representatives on both? It's not whataboutism. It's saying, if you really think, now you say, well, well, Kenny, they, they, um, they passed a resolution condemning her comments. Did they? Because I remember, I'm old enough to remember that whole uh, debate, and they they come out and said that what her uh, her words were were bad, that and she apologized. And if you're keeping track at home, folks, um, this green lady from Georgia, she's apologized now, and the Republicans have condemned her in strong language. Mitch McConnell said she's a cancer in the party. And so that should be enough, right? No, they're wanting her removed from her position. So what are the Republicans doing now? They say, well, okay, well, y'all have to remove Omar. And they're saying, oh, that's whataboutism. We're talking about this, not that. It's like, no, apply the same standard evenly. Just apply it evenly. You know, if, 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 if it's an apology that gets you off the hook, then let them apologize. But here's the thing even about the, the resolution that they passed condemning her speech. I don't know if you remember this or not. They didn't condemn her anti-Semitic speech. They condemned, you're going to love this, all forms of hate. They condemned all forms of bigotry. So when it's on that side of the aisle, it must be you got to be strong in condemning be nice all hate. To have Not because you're a raging anti-Semite. Nice. And all I have to say, it must, it must be, nice. be nice. You know, it must be to really nice to have that power on your side to dismiss that your, your crazy theories, your um, vile, racist talk, and just have it relegated to oh well we got we you know all hit, hit all bigotry is bad uh yeah <laughs> yeah all bigotry is bad who who says bigotry is good that's where that's where we get at okay third and final example today nearing that twenty five minute mark uh, we're going to be done in thirty minutes a day the last example we want to get to is of the incitement of violence you have to have been living under a rock in the last several months to not be aware of what happened on January sixth there was a rally held. There was plans that were uh, arranged for a storming of the Capitol. And everybody with any kind of sense, common sense, would look at that and say, what an awful excuse for patriots. People that are very upset about um, their guy not getting and winning the election. And for the most part, it was roundly condemned by all sides. Trump was pretty mealy mouth at first, would not condemn him outright. I thought that was one of the worst things that he did as president. Um, was not a fan of his initial reaction. Later on, he came out for the stronger statement. I personally believe that it ha- it had become uh, just lost. You know, at that point, that I don't think he could have strongly condemned. He had to, he should have made the the last statement the, at the first or even at the rally, but it just got out of hand and people died as a result. And so now we've entering into the second month of calling for Republicans to be. <clears throat> gone after to resign for anybody that encouraged uh, the election fraud theory. 
um, that they should be thrown out of office and they should never be allowed to enter polite society again. They should not have gainful employment and all the things that you've you've heard and seen. And so can we say that political violence of any kind is bad in the United States of America? Actually, you can't say that because if you at all draw a parallel to the political violence that went on through the entire summer of 2020, you say, Chester, what that you're be you're yes, what's what about ism? It's not the same thing. Is it not the same thing that politicians encourage their constituents to get out in the streets, to get in the face of the politicians that they don't like to not let them eat in peace, to not let them be safe in their homes. We've had several situations over the summer where politicians had to flee their residence. Um, and, and incitement of violence is not something that is confined to one side of the aisle. Politicians for years, especially in the last 10 years, specifically the last four years on both sides of the aisle. Now, you're not, when you say that, you're not excusing what Trump did. You're saying you're being intellectually dishonest if you do not see an escalation of violence brought to you by the rhetoric of politicians on both sides. That is not whataboutism to say that the politicians that were calling for change in the streets are not somehow attached in the same way that Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley are to the deaths of those at the Capitol. If you can say that and you can make that connection, how can you not make the connection for the politicians for the summer of 2020 when over 25 people have died? When there's been over a billion dollars worth of property destruction and over 25 people. Think of this. Think of this. We're not saying that five people at the Capitol was was insignificant comparatively. We're saying if you're going to condemn political violence, how do you look at yourself in the mirror if you can't say that Rhetoric has gotten out of control in this country, and it's not confined to the Republicans. Can you not apply the same principles evenly across the board? And if you can't, it's not because you're a true believer. It's because you are a partisan, ideological, ideologically possessed acolyte of your party. And so I don't even want to play my It Must Be Nice song at this point. I've actually gotten a little frustrated. It's bad what Trump did, and the, the, the effects of that was borne out in the Capitol. It's also awful that 25 people died this summer because the rhetoric has become insane in our country, and it's not whataboutism to point out the fact that we need to dial everything back we need to we need to get to a place where we can talk to each other without inciting violence uh, while we articulate our thoughts. Did, 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 do you guys know that in 2000, I think it was 17, that a, a madman took to a cr- congressional baseball practice and tried to murder Republicans, specifically Republicans, um, because of their policies? 
Did you also were you also aware that this was a fervent Bernie Sanders supporter? He was an anti-Trump guy. He wanted to remove Trump from office, as many people were calling for that to happen at the time. And he shot five people in 2017. Now, you know what should happen in those times? You should say, you know what? Bernie Sanders is not responsible for the actions of that person. And I saw a lot of people on the right side of the aisle doing exactly that, that you cannot, you are not your worst supporter's actions. And so I can stand there and say that. But can you? When, when that happens to, to Democrats, when, when there's a threat of violence on, on, that's politically motivated, can you say the same thing? I hope you can. Hope you're not. Um, what's the word? Applying double standards. And when someone points out those double standards, they are not engaged in whataboutism. The final point being this. Can you call out both Republicans' incitement of violence and Maxine Waters and Senator Chuck Schumer for standing at the gates or the doors of the Supreme Court and telling Kavanaugh, telling Gorsuch that we're coming for you, that you've sown the wind and you're going to reap the whirlwind. Can we can we just say, you know, you know what? That's bad too. It's not what aboutism to do that. You've been listening to the Kenny Chester podcast. I'm thankful that you've joined us. Hopefully you'll be able to come back after today's episode and engage in a little more thought experiment. God bless. You've been listening to the Kenny Chester podcast. Please consider subscribing and leaving a review.